Welcome to Pat Sherlock's podcast series, interviews with top mortgage sales leaders. Learn practical tips for improving sales management results. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Pat Sherlock, and welcome to the podcast. Today's topic is planning for tomorrow in a volatile marketplace, a terrific topic. I have an outstanding expert today who's going to share his thoughts. It's Mike Fontaine, who is Chief Operating Officer and CFO at Plaza Home Mortgage. Hi, Mike. Hi, Pat. How are you today? We're doing good. This is a great topic, but before we jump into it, let's talk a little bit about your own background, which I know is unique in mortgage banking. So how did you get into mortgage banking and how did you get into managing? I got into mortgage banking this time around after I had just sold a company that uh, I was running in the distribution industry and took around for a little while and then decided that uh, that really wasn't for me and introduced to Kevin Parra, who was one of the founders of Plaza. And uh, he decided to uh, give me a chance, bring me aboard as a CFO. And uh, that was 16 and a half years ago. So uh, things have been uh, great ever since there. And that was my entree into mortgage banking this time around. I did a little bit of it back in the late 80s, It was, but it was more of an offshoot from a real estate development firm that I uh, had taken on the role of CFO. And I was a tax accountant over at Deloitte, uh, Deloitte Haskins and Sells back in the day. And uh, one of my clients offered me an opportunity to take on a CFO role as a, I think I was 24, 25 years old. So probably probably over my head at the time, honestly, but I learned a lot and learned a lot in that uh, role and then have had similar type roles over the years in uh, several different industries. So Unlike a lot of people in our business who have just grown up in mortgage banking, I have maybe a little bit more diverse background uh, by being in different industries. And and I think bringing that to the table has helped me in uh, my uh, managing plaza to uh, successes over the years. Well, that's certainly a fabulous background for sure. So what was the, Mike, what was the best advice that you ever received on managing? You know, I think uh, one of my, early managers that uh, was over at Deloitte years ago taught me about, you know, one thing you can always have to make sure you do is maintain your integrity, always try to do the right thing. You know, I, I use that all the time as, as I'm trying to guide, guide people. Uh, I always try to surround myself with smart people, trust them, be patient with them, learn that they are not going to do things exactly as I would do it. Mm-hmm. Don't micromanage them. But at the end of the day, look for the results. And, you know, if we get to the results that we're looking for, that's uh, that's successful management and allows people to, to be their own individuals along the way. Yeah, that's great advice. What, from a standpoint of like, were there books that you read or authors that you were interested in that you would recommend for anybody that's looking to manage? You know, I think I've read a, a handfuls of books uh, and they, they seem to come back to similar Sure. Similar themes and topics, but uh, I think one of the you know simple, easy ones that I back to every once in a while is the One Minute Manager by Ken Blanchard. Sure, uh, it's a, a simple. The, the topics and the concepts I think are are good in that they you know just get right down to the uh, you know don't don't spend too much time on 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 any one part there and just move on. And I think that's a great one. Uh, five dysfunctions of a of a team. Uh, uh, leadership Fable by Patrick uh, Lencioni is a good one. Sure. Good to Great is another good one. Also a Jim Collins book. Uh, mm-hmm. So those are some 
some of that I can think about right off the top of my head. Right. They're great ones for sure. So if you had to look back over all these years, what was your greatest victory in your career? And then likewise, what was your greatest lesson that you learned in your career? So the greatest, I would say, was keeping Plaza alive as an entity uh, during the market meltdown. We were a all-day lender, so a non, basically a you know, non-agency type lender for the most part. We mm-hmm. had a small percentage of our business was in that, but but for the most part, we were all day lender, and that just all went away overnight. And I think that, uh, you know, through my helping guide the company, uh, both operationally and financially, uh, working with our lenders and our investors, et cetera, was, uh, was really the, you know, I can look back at that as a, a successful moment. My whole thing on that uh, as we were going through that process was keep the company alive and try to preserve as many jobs as possible uh, because we know that every you know, every that you lay off during that time frame as you're having to downsize and stuff is somebody's, uh, you know, it's, their, it's a person, it's their family that's impacting them, it's them individually. So that you take that seriously and you just try to do the right thing and pre- try to preserve as many roles as possible. As far as, uh, you know, lessons learned on it, I think in some other organizations I was in, I probably stuck with them a little too long and uh, when management was really going the wrong direction. So I think you always have to, you know, one lesson to learn would be that to look at if, if management isn't doing stuff that you think is right for the for the company or for your future, you know, you have to really take a step back and evaluate and, and you know, maybe time to part ways. And that's something I think that, that people sometimes don't consider or don't think about. And that's, uh, you know, can can get you off track on what your longer term career goals are. Well, that's really great advice for sure. So that does lead to our topic today. We're going to talk obviously about planning for tomorrow in a volatile marketplace, especially now when it is crazy with so much volume. Uh, Talk about your thoughts on that. Uh, Well, yeah, as as you know, everybody's very busy today. Uh, I guess one thing I would say, if you're not busy today in this market (laughs) or you're not making money in this market, you really should consider doing something different. Sure. uh, it's uh, if you're in the mortgage industry, you, you you know whether you're in operations or in sales uh, or finance, you you know it's, there's great opportunities today. So that's something that I think that is uh, you know, needs to needs to be evaluated up front. But as far as one of the other things to think about on that though is that we are busy, and it's easy when you're busy with with the the volume that we have right now to forget about what it might be like in twelve or 18 or 24 months from now when baby the volume is not going to be there uh, as heavy as it is today. And so one thing I keep reiterating to my teams is, and we have regular strategic planning meetings and stuff is, is to not lose sight of the, the short term and the midterm and the longer term strategic initiative plans, because it's not just solving problems today and having a solution for today's volume. It's just, you know, what's going to look like in, a year from now, what's it going to look like if, if all of a sudden refis drop 60 or 70 percent or 50 percent or whatever the forecast might be? So, you know, keep an eye on on what the industry economists are showing. Look at look at MBA's uh, forecast every month. Look at the Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac forecast and see what those what those people are saying to make sure that you're you're thinking about guiding your company into the into the, uh, the future the right way. 
So how, Mike, do you implement a planning, let's say a planning culture uh, with your team, especially when they are so busy and certainly they're not thinking about tomorrow mostly? Uh, so what are their types of routines or, or is there forecasting that just becomes part of what, let's say, the divisionals and maybe the regional managers are doing? Talk about that for our listeners. So we set up a, a while back as several years ago, a, a strategic planning and, and you know, kind of a forward link thinking committee. And so, so uh, we get together uh, and have a uh, uh, written document which shows, which shows uh, here's the initiatives we have and we rank them by importance. Uh, are they a high priority, medium, low priority item? And, and if, if possible, try to estimate the amount of commitment to it, whether it's the hours that are going to be committed to it by maybe an IT group or a sales group or, or a vendor and the cost if you can. And then, and then what's the expected benefit from it? And sometimes the benefit might be just, you know, better retention of our employees because that's a, you know, the associate retention is a huge cost for an industry. Sure. Uh, so, it's, so that's, a, that might be the goal. Uh, another item might be, you know, an easier, way for uh, a customer of ours to interact with us. And that's, you know, there's, and it's hard to put numbers on that. Uh, and that's one of the things I think that I find most challenging with taking that list and saying, okay, well, where do we invest our money today? You know, you can't do everything at once. Uh, sure. You know, we have literally over 200 initiatives on our list. And, you know, I could spend the next couple of years doing those only. And we probably still wouldn't finish, but we'd probably add another 200 by then too, uh, as a result of that. So, so we're really trying to focus on you know, lining up what the what's the the big wins for the company, and then and then you try to to go downstream a little bit from there. But you also have to have a commitment from management to not just focus on today. That they have to allocate some of their resources for the future in there. Otherwise, you can't you just can't dictate it and say, okay, this will happen because they're also being you're also pulling them the other direction, saying you know get those loans closed today. And uh, make sure that the pipeline gets cleared out and funded and et cetera. And you're not going to be able to, to do everything without uh, giving the proper resources. And that means investing. You know, you have to, you have to convince the management that investing in the future is something you need to always be doing uh, as, a, as an entity, uh, you know, forward, forward-looking and forward-thinking entity. So when you're having your committee, is the field part of that? Do you go down to the AE level or, or talk about that? The main committee that meets uh, pretty regularly is, uh, is senior executives sure. in the company. And then they, you know, they work with their individual areas. And then, you know, the IT group has to work with the business units and the business units are, we do get down to the, you know, they'll call it the street level of, you know, whether it's a closer that, that is trying to uh, help with a new process or procedure or, or uh, automation, or whether it's somebody in sales and account executive maybe working on the CRM system or, you know, what the customer really wants. Is, you know, the other thing, too, is you have to ask your customers because mm-hmm. when, you're, when you're trying to build automation and systems, you want to make sure that it's really something they want and need. Uh, I think too often companies think only about themselves or what they want, or maybe management thinks about what they would like or what they would want to have done. But if you don't ask the customer, whether that customer is a, you know, an internal sales uh, uh, person or whether it's a, an operations associate 
whether it's a, or it's a, you know, a client, like in our case, we're, we're all third parties. So we go out to the, our customers, whether they're other lenders or, or whether they're, they're mortgage brokers and make sure that, that we're giving them the information and, and asking the questions back. Like, is this going to help you in your business? Is this going to help you drive more business so that you can do more business with us and, and provide a better product to the end customer, which is really the, the borrower. Question sequence, it's going down to the, the let's say, the broker. So is this, be, this is being done from senior management asking the broker, is that, are you surveying your customers or how, how are you doing that mechanically? Combination of surveying them, seeing mm-hmm. how, they, how they're utilizing our, mm-hmm. our systems that we have today and where they see the pain points in it and, mm-hmm. and where those can be improved upon. Uh, you know, they may love how we do one thing compared to maybe somebody else they're working with, but there might be another step in the process. It's like here, you know, this is where you guys make us make, you know, make my job harder instead of easier. So, uh, and us understanding those and then seeing if there's ways that we can work around it, uh, on, on those areas. So, you know, what you know, know what you do well, and then try to improve on the other things. So when you're planning, uh, talk about, uh, in other words, I think people would understand that is planning just primarily looking at technology and figuring out how to be more efficient, or is it, you know, also including, let's say what I would call the soft side, which would be what you talked about, the retention level, how to improve the skills of the AE, how, how to basically improve selling skills. How, how do you come up with the percentage of where your time is going to be spent uh, from a planning standpoint? And, and what's that usually look like? Most lenders, it tend to be that they're always looking at what technology they can implement. Well, so I think that that sometimes people people get caught up on technology for sure. the sake of technology and you know, kind of keeping up with the Joneses on technology concept. And, and mm-hmm. that's not always the right answer. I believe that I, our approach has been more of focusing on different people, focusing on different areas, whether the, you know, on the, the retention of associates might be more something that gets focused more from the HR side. Uh, and they're working with the different departments and stuff. And so it may be, very little in the way of IT or vendor type stuff, and it might be more just soft stuff that you can that you would have in, in there. And, and that you know that even goes down to things like an annual associate engagement survey that we do, which actually we're just in the process of finishing up right now. And so that kind of stuff, and then analyzing what the you know what how those things are are used, and um, see what kind of feedback you get. And so th- those are one of the areas, but it's also a matter of, of really, like I said, working with the customer, whether it's an internal or external customer there, to to understand what their needs are and what would make their jobs and lives easier. So when you're looking at the planning and you're determining whatever is your top priorities, and and so now it comes to the point of implementing the plan. Um, do you do you typically take it down to almost like a scorecard at the AE level where, okay, we're now doing X, Y, Z, and now we're going to have a scorecard where you're going to be judged on this, or is it really just kept to maybe the regional and divisional managers that here's our priority for uh, next year? There's parts of it that are, that are scorecard type uh, Mm -hmm. items, I would say, and some of it that is, that is softer in there, but, one of the things that that we uh, 
are spending a lot of business intelligence time on these days is try to create better better metrics and scorecards. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think that, you know, the, the saying of, you know, if you can't measure it, then uh, or you can't, you know, you can't get it, can't measure it, you, you know, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. It's not always accurate, but it's, uh, it's, it, it is something that we're trying to get to do. And, and some of the stuff is, is easier than others. And, you know, in markets like we're in right now is, is a, is an interesting bubble. I, I think I'll call it uh, from a, a productivity standpoint of sales side as an example you know you can you can look and see well somebody's only doing you know x units a month and now they're doing you know 2x or 3x or 4x units a month you know they may be from a from a pure reporting standpoint they may be patting themselves on the back but but is that really good i mean if they do let's just say they're doing double the volume they were doing 6 months ago but if the industry's doing three times the volume or all their peers are doing three times the volume then then that even though you know on the surface it might look great that they doubled their business, it's they still are lagging, and so you know you might want to figure out why on that. So, so it's you know make sure that you're you're looking into the to the numbers, not just uh, narrowly viewing them, and, and that's something that's uh, one of the courses I took in college uh, that I still remember a lot from was a statistics course, and the book that we had to read was called Line with Statistics. <laughs> and uh, it, it is like, it's basically you know that analysis I just gave there about the you know somebody doing double and it looks like on the surface it's doing great, but if everybody else is doing three or four times, it's it, they're they're actually lagging. Is a perfect example right there. The where the statistics, if you look at them from one view, they look really good, but if you look at it from another view, it doesn't look so great. So that's uh, something to keep in mind as you're looking at numbers all the time. Well, I think you made a great point about that. That's for sure, because certainly I think the industry has always been focused on volume and volume. It can be deceiving because it may not be profitable volume. So, but it's always seems to be the same standard measure. And especially now with what's going on, you really have to question. And I think you raised a really good point. Any thoughts about how you see from a planning perspective that that people should be implementing? I mean, I think one of the things to, to really consider is is how is business going to be done over the next mm-hmm. cycle here of you know the the. the the COVID impacts right now of people not being able to get into offices, not being able to go to conferences or trade mm-hmm. events, uh, salespeople not being able to get in front of their, their customer face to face. How are you going to manage that? And what is your, what's your plan if it lasts more than another couple months? Uh, if it you know, could last into next summer or further, who knows? And then how are you going to deal with people as they go back to the offices and, and, is, is it going to be the same environment? And I think that you have to have multiple contingency plans on it right now and, and, and flexibility. And I think we're all discovering that some people that we thought in the past had to be in an office all the time don't necessarily have to be now because they've been, they've been great. I mean, I'm incredibly proud of our workforce to have been able to deal with this heavy volume at the same time as uh, productivity has been, been up there. And uh, the, and all the personal challenges that people might be incurring today is, you know, is, is really a, 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 we're in a different and changing environment. Uh, you know, environment always changes in business, but this is a, a lot at once in different directions. And, uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, you look at that, uh, you know, people still buy from people, I believe. And so the relationships matter, whether your relationship is, is going to be over the phone or, 
it's uh, you know video calls or or you know, get in front of them uh, you know in some other way by email or whatever. We we try to get our customers a lot with training uh, and provide extra value that way. I think training is uh, important to be able to give the people tools, whether it's internally or to our our customer base there, and that way they can provide more value to their clients. And mm -hmm. uh, at the end of the day, it puts a you know puts puts consumers in the right loan lending product for them and their personal situation at, the, at you know that point in their in their lives. And I think that's the really the result that we all should be looking for. Well, that's a great point for sure. And I think in essence, planning is always about having a, a plan B, a plan C, a plan D is, is really important for everyone. So I want to thank Mike for sharing his thoughts today. Subscribe to where you listen to your podcast and rate today's episode. Also go to PatSherlock.com for our sales services and sign up for my weekly sales blog. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, Pat. I appreciate it.